I'm Christian Bush. And I'm Cindy Watts. Welcome to our podcast, 52. I turned 52 this year, believe it or not, and I am releasing 52 songs to celebrate. This podcast looks at the relationship between my 52 new songs and 52 of my most popular songs from my back catalog with plenty of stories and laughs along the way. <laughs> I, I have no idea what it is, I promised. You see how we just started that episode by me going, I'm sorry, Cindy, I don't know what I promised you the last time we were doing something. Will you please forgive me? I suppose. <laughs> it, forgiveness is a thing. I just got a thing from my church saying that, Christian, you haven't filled out our yearly whatever. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I already feel a little guilty. <laughs> now I feel guilty for you. Okay. Yes. I'm going to get back. I'm going to get out of everybody's, uh, whatever, the doghouse. <laughs> By uh, by by telling you some really good jokes. Are Can't you ready? Wait. Yep. How do you eat a computer? I don't know. How you do take you... a megabyte. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> oh look, see how about this? Why did the zero join the church? I don't know. She was already a nun. <laughs> oh. Okay, fine. That was terrible. That was awful. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I I know camping isn't considered a sport, but it is intense. <laughs> See, this is, this is a brain scramble. See, it's like a Waffle House order, but for your brain, Waffle. smothered, covered, and dad joked. Yeah, Waffle House doesn't sound bad right now, and 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 I think camping could be a sport. By the time you get all that crap unloaded and set up, you're breaking a sweat. I mean, so you're a car camper. Um, n- no, look no. at you, Severeval. Are you, are you saying something? I'm, I'm not a car camper. I am a, uh, hotel with air conditioner camper <laughs> where there so are no snakes. You sit no on the back porch and you drink yeah. cold wine. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. My, my, my daddy doesn't want me to drink. So I don't do that ever. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't drink at all. I don't drink at all. Dad. Yes. Yeah. No. Coke zero. So have you ever gone camping where you have the, the, the framed pack that keeps the you you're looking at me with confused face. Oh God, no! That sounds you're heavy. one of the other girls from Sevierville. Yeah, you didn't eventually evolve genetically into an REI person, did you? Oh no! Oh my gosh! No, no, I've done it all. Like I have sweated in the tent. I have fished for the fish. I've stood in the river. I've taken them off the hook. I have filleted them. I've cooked them on the fire. Like I've done all of it. Okay, but well, I like it. Have you skinned a squirrel? Uh, no. no. <laughs> Your eyes looked at me like, tell me you didn't say that. <laughs> That's exactly what they said. Uh-huh. No. If it has fur, it's off limits. Okay. Yeah, no. All right. Well, that's not. okay. I, look, I know a lot of people from Sevierville that were all Dungeons and Dragons and no outside sports at all. Yeah, no. I can, I, I snow ski. Does that count? Is it really snow in Gatlinburg? It's just, isn't it like, I mean, isn't it have, like, uh, like, like, pebbles or something isn't it like plastic that they blow into the air (laughs) well maybe a little bit maybe a little bit but if you're not very good chances are you're not going to die at Obergallenberg you're not gonna no 
yeah, you know, so no, it's not. Although a, I do think maybe somebody ought to write a mystery. I haven't, I've not seen a Netflix mystery yet set in the Smoky Mountains or in Gallenberg. And somebody needs to do that, like a Harlan Coben or a something. Or somebody who writes dark Southern Gothic musicals. Oh my God. Do you know anyone like oh, yeah. that? <laughs> you know what I love? I love that your Coke Zero is working. <laughs> I mean, if we only we knew writers. <laughs> It'd be so helpful. Okay, I'm going to talk about something very severe today. Okay. Okay, this yes. is as mountain as it gets, right? So a lot of people say, well, you're from Appalachia, so you must know a lot of bluegrass. Well, um, I, I, I've heard it. I know it. I understand what it's doing. Um, it's kind of fun to watch some of those guys that are so old, they fall asleep in the middle of playing it. But um, as a kid, the thing that like made my brain explode was when I heard that you could plug those instruments into an amplifier. Oh, yeah. Like the first time I heard like um, somebody in a in person plug in electric guitar and play like Van Halen. I just about like. Did eruption make you erupt? <laughs> oh, I got to get back to the bad dad jokes because this is going to get nasty quick. But um, yes, uh, (laughs) guitar, electric guitar sounds are strange because it it sounds like more is happening um, magic between where it's being played. Because when you just play electric guitar and it's not plugged in, it sounds kind of clunky. Yeah, it's muffled. It's a bit muffled. It, It doesn't really make a lot of noise, but it is so much easier to play than an acoustic guitar. Right. It's the, the strings are thinner. The the neck is smaller. Like you can really get, get can around tap. it. You can tap. You can, t- you can tap. Look at you. You are from Survival. Well, yeah. So uh, these next, the pairing that we're going to listen to today, um, I've paired them together because um, both songs um, use um, a jet fuel accelerant called a guitar player. Without which, neither song, although they would be good with an acoustic guitar, it's just not what it is when it's with an electric guitar. And and the the two guitar players, uh, the the guitar players in these bands, defined the recording of both of these. And I, when I when I told you this at the beginning, before you came in and started looking at me funny, and then I started apologizing to you and my church. Uh, you were like, oh, electric guitar day. It is. You know, I love a guitar player. I've, I've, I've loved several guitar players over the course of my life, but it was electric guitar on stage at Dollywood that hooked me into country music when I was a kid. Really? Absolutely. So it was electric guitar that made me want to learn to play guitar. I took lessons from the Gettar, G-E-T-T-A-R shop in Sevierville. I mean, oh, I know that place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so no, I'm I'm all about it. I love it. My guitar lessons were at Pick and Grin. Yeah, in Knoxville. In but Knoxville. see, I wasn't that fancy. Well, I didn't know that there were there were striations in the. <laughs> you know, I, I I had no idea that there were thermoclines in the value of guitar instruction, but there are. Well, there are, and and my teacher, God love him, he's a lovely man. That was sounded really southern. That a just like Listen, went on for that? like it just went on for like <laughs> ten days. Wanted and in and y'all can't see, but it's like the ring finger on my left hand. He mm-hmm. wanted me to break my finger at the knuckle 
to make it bend more so I could do this proper formation. Uh, oh, he wanted it to go down like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. And it doesn't. And, and that was kind of the end of it for me because I wasn't willing to break my finger. Oh, you know what? Don't let one bad guitar player ruin it. Well, yeah, no, I still... I can gonna... teach you. So, well, and, and really, the, the answer is... I learned it as a violinist. Who oh, knew? It's, like it's where wrist. you put your elbow. Oh, your elbow. When you move your elbow, your wrist automatically gives. Yep. I thought it was wrist. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Okay. Well, song one today is from go. 52 New Blue, and it is called When's the Last Time featuring Dark Water. Very good. And our second song today is by my 90s band, Billy Pilgrim. It's called I Won't Tell off of the Bloom record. So how would you like to go about this? Because there's a little bit of like, I kind of want you to be the journalist for a second. Because there's a lot of things you can ask. I happen to be in dark water, and I'm also the artist on this. I'm, I'm not only featured, but I am the singer. Right. I think that what people really want to know, like, lies in the song title, though. It's like... I think as the artist and the singer, you want to go cerebral and all of the people listening to this podcast right now are going, huh, when was the last time Christian played electric guitar? (laughs) When was, when was the last time, you know, Christian did this or when was the last time Christian did that? So Christian, when was the last time you played electric guitar? Oh my gosh. Well, as you see over your right shoulder sitting here, um, that is my Mexican telly which I actually got during the uh, 1995 tour for Billy Pilgrim and has been restored. And um, I played it night before last. Now, I didn't play it in public. (laughs) But I I think probably... Why not? I think one of the last times I played electric guitar in public, uh, like on television, I think the last time I played electric guitar on television was... um, might have been still the same. So it's been a hot minute. Uh, from the bigger record. If you want to go back in time and you want to see it, I remember on an award show I played um, uh, What I'd Give. I had a giant guitar solo at the back of that on the ACMs one year. Oh, that was kind cool. of fun. And I, I was playing mandolin most of the song, and then I took the mandolin off and put it over Jennifer's head, and she started playing. Because I love when people are like, wait a minute, she can play an instrument? I thought she was just a singer. You know, and uh, I'm like, no, man, she plays bass, guitar. Like, there's all these things that she does. Um, And then they gave me my electric guitar and I just went to town. So since this is the electric guitar episode, why don't you do it more? Like you pay, you play 50 bazillion things. I mean, (laughs) do you have something against the electric guitar? Oh, no, 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 no. I just put uh, better guitar players in my band than me. (laughs) So as a guitar player, here's something to confess. Um, because I'm a violinist, one of the things in your dexterity as a violinist is you're, you're using your chin and your left shoulder to hold your instrument, right? So you should be able to drop your whole left hand and your instrument stays in place. So you have this weird crick in your neck all the time as a, as a violinist. And, um, what it does is they teach you first how to do the rhythms of everything that you're going to play because as hard as you think classical music is on your left hand you have no idea how hard it is on your right hand because you have a bow and you're trying to stay in rhythm and all these weird up and down strokes where you might have two notes at a time or three notes at a time or um so 
I became a very dexterous right-handed rhythmic player as a violinist. So when I <laughs> decided at about 12 or 13 years old to please mom, let me play guitar because the girls are making fun of me. Um, I, I, I didn't know that what I would end up being able to do immediately is play incredible rhythms. Oh. But my left hand was just not as fast as let's say young whomever at guitar center who's over there tapping and going nutty and turning up his pedals. And I'm like, wow, man, you're awesome. And it turns out that that guy never gets the record deal. Always the guy who has the rhythm does. True. Right. Yeah. I didn't know that. I just thought I was a failure forever. And I was like, man, I'm just going to get a good guitar player. And, uh, so most of the time in the bands that I'm in, I do my best to uh, surround myself, just like golfing, I guess. You surround yourself with people that are better than you. Do you golf? Oh, uh, in public, I tell everyone on microphones and whoever I meet, no, I don't golf. But I did in the 90s. And I refuse to have any more golfing, music business, anything anymore. I'm done. Y'all do it. Just come find me afterwards. I'll eat the hot dog, but I'm not walking around that freaking thing chasing that other freaking thing. Um. But uh, electric guitar wise, the only time I really showed back up with it is on the Incredible Machine record. Jennifer had looked at me and I was like, man, let's go get this so-and-so guitar player. She goes, why? You're good. Let's just, you play them all. I was like, oh, I'm not that good. She's like, well, you're here. So maybe you are. So I played all the electric guitars on the Incredible Machine record. So that was fun. That's amazing. And for people who don't know, it's not typical for artists to play on their albums. Like typically you go in and sing. That's right. And then, and then whomever your producer is, you know, a lot of times they have people that they like to work with and then they end up bringing other people to come in and play your songs and then you play them on the road, but not on your album. So the fact that yeah. you don't typically play guitar, electric guitar, but you did on that album, on that album yeah. is extra special. Oh yeah. And you know, and it's, I, I'm really proud of it because, uh, uh, Tom Tapley, who ended up being one of my dear friends and producers for a while, he was the engineer on that record. And he had done Bruce Springsteen's Rising and he had done, uh, you know, all these kind of rock records. And he knew exactly how to quit thinking and start playing, which is the best part about it, playing the electric guitar. The more you think about it, the worse off you are. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to get back in touch with your 13 year old self and freaking go for it. It's just got to be like muscle memory. I know. Right? Well, I love this this song, and the reason it made it on here is because, A, it feels like a song that I would have written in the 90s. Um, it's a dark water song, which means I only wrote the lyric and the, and the, the melody. So everything else came to me already done by Brandon and Benji. Right? And... Um, and on this particular version of it, uh, while Brandon's usually the drummer and Benji's the bass player, I went and asked Travis McNabb, who was in my 90s bands and was in Better Than Ezra and plays with Sugarland, um, to go in and re-drum the song. I was like, will you go in and just play, play this like it's like unadulterated 1995 everything? He's like, yeah, man, I can do that. I'll do that right now. So that's how it is. And it's a series of questions, which I think is a, 
I think it's an interesting thought because I, I, I only got to think of it as an idea. I didn't, <laughs> there was no inspiration. It was reaction. Yeah. Well, let's, let's hear it. guitars all of them all of them <laughs> i love it but you see what i mean like uh I, I there's just something about the it elevates whatever you're doing it takes it to a place that it just didn't have a shot at becoming without it and every guitar player in town destroys their rights <laughs> every one of them 
But it's it's a new level of if it's a it's a it's an elevated level of happy, is what that is. What that is. Well, yeah. that's also dark water. You know, yeah. Benji and Brandon and I, when we built that band, we built it to to much like when we built Sugarland, we built it to make things better. Yeah. And um, there weren't a whole lot of other goals than that. <laughs> Which, by the way, all bands have goals. I don't know if you know this, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't even ask because then you're going to have to ask bands about their goals. Well, that's that, that, that's, that was what was running through my, the ticker tape in my head right now. So we did this a little bit yesterday, but I'm going to do it with you right now because I think it's interesting. And okay. Then, the next song that we're going to pair this with is from Billy Pilgrim's 1994, uh, 1995 album, Bloom. I think I have to ask what Billy Pilgrim's goals were. Billy Pilgrim. We, uh, Andrew and I, well, first of all, everybody needs to know this. If you, if you don't know this, I'm, I, I don't mind the quick education. So Billy Pilgrim is a character from a Kurt Vonnegut novel called slaughterhouse five and andrew and i were um performing there were three of us actually we were performing as the hyras which was andrew and annie's last name when they came to town and annie got a job working at the miami herald as a writer so she had to move and andrew and i had the leftover shows so we called ourselves andrew hyra and christian bush and uh just our names and two saw two or three shows turned into 15 shows very quickly. And then all of a sudden people started showing up at all these things. And then we put a record out and, um, within, and that was 1990 and 91. And we got signed to a record deal in 1992 on Atlantic. So it was that fast. And when we signed the record deal, they offered us the chance to change our name. And I think they were just politely saying Hyra and Bush isn't going to do it. Well, Hyra is hard to spell. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there weren't a lot of bands in the nineties that were name bands. Like they were, it wasn't like a Brooks and Dunn situation in rock and roll. We didn't do that. So we, we, uh, we found that we both loved Kurt Vonnegut. So we kind of did the Venn diagram of our interests and came up with a bunch of names. And that was one of them. And Andrew and I were simply trying to uh, pay the rent. That was the goal. Can we pay the rent with what we're doing? And we, we didn't know. And we wanted to write our own songs. And we had been deeply given permission by the Atlanta music scene at the time. Because you remember um, at that time, the, the Black Crows had hit. Uh, Michelle Malone had, had signed to Arista. The Indigo Girls had had their first top 10 song in the world. Uh, they were on their second album. They were signed to Sony. Um, there, were, there was a lot of attention in the town. And in the year that we signed with Atlantic, they also signed Collective Soul. They signed Hootie and the Blowfish. They, uh, they signed Edwin McCain. They, like there were this amazing kind of Jewel got signed that year. Um, uh, uh, Matt Serletic and, and Rob's thing. What was it called? Uh, uh, anyway, that, that band ended up getting signed as well. And everybody was kind of going out to see music all the time. 50 people in a room, 200 people in a room, uh, 1,000 people in a room. It was very different than what I have ever experienced here in Nashville. So us getting a record deal, 
uh, because there was a lot of money in the 90s in the music business. And Nirvana had just reshuffled the cards. So now songs and attitude were going to win. Um, and Andrew and I had, um, we were, we were very much like Sugarland. We were the underdogs, right? We were the thing they were like, they called us like the Everly, like this was going to be an Everly brothers type of thing. Cause we sang so much harmony together and we wrote our songs and, um, that's how it began. And to whatever degree you're, you're on the shoulders of all these people who came before you. Right. And there was not much of a net down there, but Atlanta was also very affordable to live in. It was much cheaper than living in New York or LA or any of these places. So we could, you know, if I made five or $600 a month, I could eat and pay for a room in a, you know, a three bedroom apartment with two other dudes, you know? Wow. So you could survive. And I got out, I graduated college into the record deal on Atlantic. And we opened up Eddie's attic the same week. Right. We painted the walls. So that's the kind of the background history of it. But, um, so the same, uh, year as Billy Pilgrim came out, Put this in your brain. Uh, TLC's Crazy Sexy Cool. Soundgarden's uh, Super Unknown. Uh, Green Day Dookie came out. Um, let's see. Pearl Jam put out Vitology. Jeff Buckley put out Grace, his last record. Um, let's see. The first Corn record. R.E.M. was on their Monster record. Boys to Men put out their album, too. Um, Tom Petty put out Wildflowers. Stone Temple Pilots put out Purple. So this is a big year for music, right? Uh, things were changing at a million miles a second. Uh, let's see. What else is on this list? Um, Neil Young sleeps with the angels. If that gives you any kind of where you are. Um, Rolling Stones put out Voodoo Lounge that year. Uh Ben Harper. So these are the things when you asked me about the nineties, Toad the Wet Sprocket had just come out. Um, Rusted Root, we toured with them. Uh, Veruca Salt, right? Um, these bands were all bands that were beginning, you know, give or take the R and B world, but they were, they were new and it was okay. And they were selling millions. <laughs> So Billy Pilgrim didn't sell millions. They it, Billy Pilgrim sold hundreds of thousands, but not millions. Um, and for us, that was everything. And uh, they gave us a second record. And this was the second single off the second record. And we had heard Tom Petty's Wildflower, Wildflower's uh, album on the radio. And we had said to ourselves, wow, that sounds better than every single thing on the radio. So... Um, Look, our first album was produced by Don McAllister in Atlanta, but also produced by Hugh Padgham in London, who produced The Police and uh, uh, David Bowie. And like he was a real unbelievable producer. It's who I learned a lot of my stuff from, both of those men. But this record was uh, produced by the engineer who engineered the Tom Petty record because we wanted it to sound like that. His name is Richard Dodd. He still lives here in Nashville, Masters Records. And Richard had assembled a, a band here in Nashville of people he knew. Um, 
and Andrew and I never, we'd played one show in Nashville. I found a, a cutting from the newspaper that we had played a show at the Ryman, just Andrew and I, during the recording of this session. Oh, wow. And we, I guess we just went over there and did it because someone told us to. But you don't remember. It, it was like a, a new music seminar or a showcase or something. Yeah. But I had completely blocked it out. But the the band on this record, um, the bass player is Gary Talent from the E Street Band. <laughs> and the guitar player uh, is Mike Campbell from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Right. So I'm, I'm pairing this with the other song because it's A, super 90s. And B, it's... Mike Campbell from the Heartbreakers and um, Andrew and I uh, typically didn't write songs together. And on this record, we wrote one or two, although this is one that I wrote by myself when they, I was a little scared. We weren't going to have a single. <laughs> and uh, so uh, this is a song called I won't tell. in your shoes your six kinds of blue tell me what happened in there there's a chill in the air well, if you got a secret I'm your man if you're out of lies I've got a plan it doesn't matter whatever you say I won't ever Run away, baby, I won't tell Baby, I won't tell Baby, I won't tell Even if they've got a gun Baby, I won't tell You're my only one Well, your hair's falling just drive around No, we don't have to talk We can turn the radio on If you've got a secret Then I'm your man If you're out of lies I've got a plan And it doesn't matter Whatever you say I won't ever run away Baby, I won't tell you say please don't push me away tell me what happened in there no you don't have to be so scared but if you've got a secret then I'm your man if you're out of lies I've got a plan doesn't matter whatever you say I won't ever Run away, baby, I won't tell Baby, I won't tell 
My 90s are showing. Your 90s are showing. I think we should get that on a shirt. <laughs> that should be the shirt for this album. This album, the My 90s are My 90s are blue. showing. New Blue, My 90s are showing. My 90s are yours. Yeah. Yeah. I was <laughs> actually, how old was I in the 90s? Older than I would like to admit. Well, uh, you know, I, obviously everyone knows how old I am. Uh, it, I was born in 1970, so it was very easy to track. In 1992, I'm 22. In 1995, I'm 25. You know, so um, it, it's fascinating for me to listen back to this. I was just thinking, I was like, wow, Kip Moore could cut that song. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like at the time, two things. One, I didn't think I was writing country music. But I guess I was. Well, you weren't then, but it is now. But that's the same song. Like you could. Yeah. That's it, a country song now. It, it is. The market changed. You know, the yeah, market I came guess. to you. Yeah, the market came to you. And then the other piece uh, I think is interesting is I didn't, I was really embarrassed about my voice uh, when we started Shirley. And I thought no one's ever going to take us seriously because I sound like that. Right. I, and at the time, you got to remember, you get in the time machine that in 2003, in 2004, the only people that were getting record deals sounded like uh, Josh Turner. And, That's true. And, you know, like these new, the super new, baritones. New, new, these, yeah. yeah. And um, nobody with a high scratch, like Eric Church would have been laughed out the door at that point. They'd be like, yeah, what's doing with Mickey Mouse? You know, like there was <laughs> like, there's certain kinds of voices that I think are, are a part of the evolution of different genres and i will never ever forget when i actually heard kip moore it was the beer song or something was that beer money first? yeah maybe that was his first was that one of his first singles it was something about a truck was the first one yeah i usually forget all truck songs but it's just, so does me. He. It's just me he's not fond either. yeah <laughs> but um I, I heard his voice and i was like oh is it time it's can time. like can i start singing now yeah and uh even in Sugarland, you know, I'd occasionally step out and sing something and the crowd would go nutty because they... Because they didn't know you could sing. Well, I think they didn't. And, and I think they just didn't know what it was like when they weren't they weren't expecting that. And and when you come in and sing and sing that loud and hard and you have a scratchy voice and you're kind of fun, suddenly they're like, oh my God, it's a secret and look what's happening. It's like the when the bass player for the replacements used to sing. Every time that Tommy Stinson would open his mouth, I'd be like... Oh my gosh, I'll go wherever you want to go, buddy. You know, like it was awesome. So, um, guitar players still, even on recordings. I mean, that was so weird to like hear that song and think to myself, wow, temporarily I'm in the heartbreakers. <laughs> like, you know, I'm sure there's lots of people everywhere that would attest to the fact that you're forever a heartbreaker. Oh, look at you. You've forgiven me for the dad jokes and the stuff at the beginning of the episode already. Uh-huh. This is why I keep asking you back into my world. Right. Because you forget. Well, you know. Or you remember and you just smile a lot. You know, it depends on the day. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode. This was fantastic. This was lovely. I will bet you that my jokes will be worse in the next episode. Is the next episode going to be about banjos? Do you need it to be about banjos? I do love a banjo. They're not as sexy as the electric guitar. It depends on who you ask.
Okay. I did grow up in Sevierville. Yeah, so did I, but apparently <laughs> you didn't skin a squirrel. <laughs> did not. <laughs> did you? <laughs> no comment. Oh my no gosh. No comment. I am not commenting. Okay. Good to see you. Till next time. Bye, Christian. Bye, Cindy. Hey, everybody. Christian Bush here. Cindy Watts. And we would like to thank you for joining us for another episode of 52. If you'd like to write us with questions or comments, you can contact us at 52thepodcast at gmail.com. That is the number 52. Or by leaving us a voicemail at 803-900-5252. Also, remember, the best way to help us is to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Please and thank you. You can follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can follow Cindy at Cindy Watts on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Thank you for listening and please join us next week.